Boom, shake the room, Fire Nation. JLD here with an audio masterclass on how to get what you truly want in life and business. To drop these value bombs, I have brought Cliff Ravenscraft on the mic. He is a life and mindset transformation expert, and he went from the podcast answer man to the mindset answer man. And we're about to share some of the reasons why, because we're going to dive deep into beliefs, their impacts on your dreams and goals. Where do they come from? How can you identify and then eliminate these beliefs in Fire Nation Oh, so much more gold as soon as we get back from thanking our sponsors. When it comes to hiring, background checks are a must and TransUnion Shareable for Hires enables immediate access to employment screening tools that deliver reports in minutes. Start your on-demand screening at shareable.com slash fire and use code onfire50 at checkout to save 50% on your first screening. Ready to build your first sales funnel without having to hire an entire tech team to help? With ClickFunnels, you can. Visit eofire.com slash click to start your free 14-day trial today. That's eofire.com slash click. Cliff, say what's up to Fire Nation and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Well, let's see here. Hello, Fire Nation. Thank you so much for your time and energy today to to listen to my voice. For those of you who know me, you know that I am an open book and it's hard to come up with things you may not know about me because I share so much. But I'll just I'll, I'll I'll share something I don't even think John knows. John, did you know I'm adopted? I totally did not know that. <laughs> See, the thing is, is I was adopted uh, three years ago. Three years ago. I totally did not know that. And I've known <laughs> you way longer than three years. I know. I know. It's crazy. So, so I've, al- I've always struggled with that question until three years ago. See, the thing is, is my, my biological dad, um, you know, he had his own struggles throughout life. And my mom and my biological dad got divorced when I was like five years old. My mom remarried to my well, who is my dad today? He was my stepdad and he's been my dad. Uh, I've had two dads, you know, and all that other stuff. And and the thing is, is my, my biological dad, unfortunately passed away in 2015. And after, after that, my bio, you know, my, my stepdad says, listen, you know, we're working out our deeds and or not deeds, uh, our will and all this other stuff. We're setting up a trust and, and stuff like that. And one of the things that we've never thought to ask you, we've always thought about it, but uh, wanted to know what your thoughts are about us adopting you. And one of the benefits of us adopting you, I have a half sister and a half brother uh, from my stepdad and my mom, right? So uh, they said, you know, one of the benefits of us adopting you is that if if it ever came down to it, there would be no contest as to whether or not you're just as eligible for, you know, the benefits of, of what we leave behind, you know, that kind of deal. Um, but any, and the other thing is they never thought to offer to adopt me cause they didn't know how, you know, I would respond to that with my dad and all that stuff when he was alive. But yeah, so there you go, John, that's something most people don't know about me. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that Cliff, because you are such an open book that I didn't think you're going to be able to come up with anything there, but you did. So very cool, very interesting story. And Fire Nation, as I mentioned in the intro, this audio masterclass is going to be all about how to get what you truly want in life and business. And we're talking with somebody who's been doing that for a very long time. To rewind the clock a little bit, Cliff was my mentor. I was part of his podcast mastermind for a year. He helped me so much on that journey of launching Entrepreneurs on Fire and growing it into what it is today. So thank you for that, Cliff. And he's a person who has been getting what he truly wants out of life and business for a very long time. So we're going to be getting a lot of value from Cliff on this episode. And Cliff, let's just dive right in to what is a belief. Break that down for us. A belief is nothing more than a thought that you feel certain is true. It's funny because I was it was I was 44 years old before I ever learned that definition of a belief. I've always just used belief in context that the same kind of context of conversations we've had on our entire lifetime. And for whatever reason John, I, I, I guess I had this mixed up idea that if you believe something, you know, a belief is kind of equal to a truth or a fact or you know what I mean? Uh, but what I learned is that uh, 
a belief absolutely has no correlation to whether or not something is true or fact. It's just something you it's a thought and you happen to feel certain that it's true. Now, it could, you could have a belief that is a fact. But the reality is, is that a lot of people have beliefs and, and they're just not tied to reality, if you know what I'm saying. A belief is a thought you are certain is true. And Cliff, Fire Nation has dreams. We have goals. So what impact do beliefs have on these dreams and goals that we possess? Well, have you ever known anybody, John, who has had a desire to achieve some new level of success in their life or to make some sort of change? Uh, I'll give you a perfect example of this. For me personally, it was trying to get in control of my own physical fitness and health. Uh, in fact, I, I was sitting there. I, I'm wearing a shirt that you gave me uh, that is size large. Um, that, that you, you graciously gave me a, a podcast movement. I think it was a few years ago. And at the time I was wearing, I think I was wearing a two X, uh, t-shirt at that time. And John, you said, Cliff, I want to give you a t-shirt. And I said, give me a large. And you said, okay. And I said, give me some time. I'll fit in it. And, uh, you, you saw me just a few moments ago. I'm fitting yeah. in it and, and it's actually kind of loose on me these days. Here's what I want to tell you. The, the thing is, is there are for my, most of my life, I struggled with my weight. Um, at the time that you and I saw each other last, I was probably around 300 pounds and I had been going up and down the seesaw of, of my weight and loss journey. Uh, from the time of January 2009, 2009, when I almost died in the hospital because of how bad I had allowed my physical health to get. So anyway, I, I wanted to make changes. I, I knew that um, if I could just get myself to work out on a pretty consistent basis, if I could get myself to eat a little healthier, that I'd be able to see some significant change in this area. And the reality is, is that I, gosh, going to the hospital, by the way, will give you a lot of motivation and almost dying will give you a lot of motivation. And so that motivation, I used it. And for 18 months, John, I moved like nobody else. I was walking 10,000 steps a day and I was eating healthy, whole, natural foods and stuff like that. But just like well, a lot of stories out there. Eventually, I kind of lost my way and I got into my old routines, went back to my old habits. And, and after a year and a half losing 60 pounds, I gained it all back. And the question is, why? Why did I gain it back? Because motivation enough is not going to sustain you. And in fact, there were a couple beliefs that I had. So a couple thoughts that I felt certain was true. You see, I had made radical changes to my workout schedule. I had made radical changes to the way that I eat. And here's a statement or a phrase that I heard repeated over and over again. Everyone, 100% of people who make radical changes to their diet, usually within six months, maybe a little longer, end up, any weight that they've got, gained as a result of that radical change, they end up gaining it all back plus 10%. Now, the thing is, is I heard this from medical professionals and nutritionists and all these other uh, fitness trainers and all this stuff, and I had heard that so many times that eventually I believed it was true. Now, the thing is, is I was convinced that I, I was going to, my motivation was that I was not going to let that be true for me. But the reality is, is after about a year and a half, I got stuck at 212 pounds and I could not break that barrier. And then I went out of town and I got sick. I was, I was on a speaking gig in Los Angeles and, and I was, I had pneumonia. I got out of my routine of working out consistently every single day. I broke my streak. And then of course I had another belief. It's either all or nothing. You know, so there's another belief that I had and this belief that I'm not perfect and I, I screwed up. Well, I, I guess I'm just going to get back into the old way of things, you know, and ultimately I'm going to gain it all back anyway. And these beliefs, whether I'm consciously thinking of them or not, the fact that I believe them, our beliefs that we have, these thoughts that we feel certain are true, are actually guiding all of the actions that we take in our life so that 
for me, what happened was I tried to outrun my beliefs and I was able to successfully outrun them for a year and a half in this fitness journey. But what happened is my beliefs finally caught up to me when I got out of my streak of working out consistently every single day, when all of a sudden getting sick and my mind was start was much weaker because of how tired and less how little energy I had and all that stuff. And it was really easy for me to creep in with that. Oh, who am I anyway? Sure. Let me just go ahead and eat and feel good. You know, medicate myself with some really good food that I haven't had in a while. And before you know it, I'm back to eating all of those things I was eating before. Before you know it, I, you know, I come back and after being away from that business trip and finally recovering, I'm able to get out and walk, but it's been a week and a half since I've walked. And now I've got all this stuff and business is backed up. I'm just going to go back and pour all of my time, effort, and energy back into business so I can get caught up. And and before you know it, it's, it's been nine months since I actually did any real serious physical activity again. And I'm back to those old ways. And it was so much about what I believed about myself. It was about believing about the fact that, you know, most people who have radical changes, they're going to gain it all back. I believed that. I also had the belief that you had it's either all or nothing. You have to be perfect or you're just a fraud. I also had a belief, John, that that I I still, no matter what, I, I always talked about, man, how exciting it was. I had lost 60 pounds. And the thing is, is I always thought of myself as the fat guy who lost 60 pounds. And, the, and there's something in there, if you listen to it, I had always thought of myself as the fat guy. You see, I had been obese, like literally medically labeled obese by my doctor from my early 20s. And so for whatever reason, even though I've lost 60 pounds, I still thought of myself as that obese, fat guy. And, and with that identity and with that belief system, it led me to go back to all these old patterns, old decisions. And so to answer your question, and I know I, I beat around the bush, but what happens is our beliefs, whether we're consciously aware of it or not, they will impact our actions, the decisions that we make as far as what we will or will not do. And so the, all of those people who say, you know, I want to I want to double my income and I want to reduce the number of hours that I work in my business. I want to have more margin in my life and I want to be more profitable. I want to become debt free and all that stuff in my entrepreneurial journey. And here's what I know I need to do. I went to a couple conferences. I took some online courses. I've been to, you know, all these digital course academies and all this other stuff. I have all I have a laundry list of all these things that I know will help me become more profitable in my business. And so uh, the actions I need to take are to create that email sequence. I need to finish that email opt-in. I need to start promoting. I need to start, re uh, you know, creating this content consistently. And the problem is, is that they start doing a couple of those things, but then all of a sudden they, they find that they're putting it off. They're procrastinating. They busy themselves. They say, you know what, I'll get all that done, but first I need to completely hire somebody to redo my website. I want to move it from one platform over to another, and I'm not going to do any of that stuff until I get it redesigned. And they think that that's all necessary, which by the way, and they feel certain it's necessary, which is a belief, but they also are not aware of the reason why they're actually putting off all of those things that they already know that they should be doing, those actions they need to take. And the reality is they have all sorts of other beliefs that they're not consciously aware of. And those beliefs, and I found that the most common ones are, I'm not worthy of that much success. I'm not worthy of that much income. I don't have, I don't believe I have enough experience or credibility to generate that significant, that much of an amount of income from the work that I do. Um, there are already other people out there who are way more, uh, who are way more qualified than I am. And so they have these beliefs that they're not even aware of, but it's those beliefs are leading them to the decision of procrastinating on that laundry list of things that they know they could do to benefit their business. In fact, um, those those subconscious beliefs. By the way, John, have you have you ever experienced any of those beliefs that I just mentioned? Absolutely. Yeah, and so I experienced all of those, <laughs> and and most of the people that I talk to who are very authentic and transparent will admit that at some level they still believe that. Because here's the thing, John. You know me. I've achieved a great deal of success in my business, right? Yeah, big time. And John, I know about you, dude. You you're you're an action taker, and you've achieved 
incredible success. I mean, it's mind-blowing. But here's what I can tell you about you and me, and I know that I'm, I'm, I'm right on this. You and I still have not even tapped our true potential in this world. I believe that's true. And the reason why we're living the lives that we're living today, which, by the way, are incredible. I mean, neither of us, I, well, I certainly couldn't have imagined 10 years ago living the lifestyle that I live today. Is that true for you as well? That's true for me as well. All right. So, but here's the deal. The thing is, is you and I have big dreams because we're dreamers, right? Dreamers. And the reality is, is that the dreams we have of what we want to achieve for the next 10 years, like what we want our lives to be like in 10 years from now, the reality is, is that in 10 years from now, we're going to look back at these dreams and we're going to be, dude, we were playing it small. And the reason why is because we all struggle with feeling worthy of more. You know, it's, it's like, okay, I th- okay, based upon what I've learned, I think I could probably increase my success and abundance and love and connection with other people this much, you know, but the reality is, is that, man, come on, dream bigger dreams, but, the, but it's beliefs. It's our beliefs about who we are and what we're capable of that keeps us from moving forward. So th- did I answer your question about how our beliefs impact our lives? You absolutely nailed it, brother. And now that we've been through what a belief is, the impact that these beliefs actually have on our dreams and goals, where the heck do they come from? Where's the origination of these beliefs? Well, that's the exciting thing. Um, So where do our beliefs come from? They come from all sorts of places. Many of them stem from our most impressionable years, like our younger childhood sort of years. And the reality is, is that as a child, we're eager to learn. You know, we're, we're trying to figure out all sorts of new distinctions in life and how to get what we want. All right. And the reality is, is that when we're young and impressionable, we have these people that we look up to. They're role models. They're teachers. They're our parents. Um, sometimes they're our peers. And stuff like that. And so when I think about, man, Cliff, you're fat, you'll always be fat and all that other stuff. Well, John, I I can tell you right now where some of those beliefs came from. And it was the number of kids who, and by the way, I, I look back and I see how ridiculous it is because I have pictures of me in elementary school. All right, because my mom was one of those parents that paid for all of those school pictures and stuff like that. And, and you know what? Okay, so maybe... Maybe I may not have looked like a stick figure if you were to draw me, but the thing is, I was not—I was not obese. I—I I would say I don't even know that I would be classified as overweight. But man, I wasn't the string bean as as some of the other kids that I went to school with in elementary school. But you know what I did have? I had these gigantic, big, fat lips. All right. I, which, by the way, I, my face grew into my lips. So, they, you know, a lot of people look at my lips today and they're like, man, Cliff, you got good lips. I've had some people tell me that. But let me tell you, you take the big, huge, gigantic, amazing adult sized lips that I have on my face today and you put it on a, you know, an eighth grader. And, and what had happened was I went to the school and my nickname was, well, um, it, it, I can't tell you. I, I I can't speak the words personally out loud what I was called, what my nickname was, but I will say that it rhymed with Tigger Lips. I heard that name called to me every single day on the bus, on the on the school playground. I was called that nickname my entire life. Fat, you got the fattest lips. You are you're good for nothing, blah blah blah. And I was bullied as a kid. And and as a result of that, I would go home after a day of emotional beating and I would go home and eat a big huge gigantic bag of Doritos and I'd feel great about myself. And over time I grew and grew and grew and finally I got fatter and fatter and fatter. And by the way, I don't blame those kids for for my for my weight gain. I, I take full responsibility for it, but man, what did it happen? The thing is, is I started to believe what they said. I heard it enough. See, another thing about beliefs, where they came from, is that they're conditioned over time. You know, any belief that's repeated over and over again, uh, e- no matter how ludicrous the, the statement may be, if you hear it enough, you start to think it's true. Um, another thing is, is, uh, that's, that's something that happened over time for me, but I will tell you, John, I'm going to share something with you. I don't think I've ever told this story out loud. 
and and I'm kind of concerned about speaking it right now. But I had some really messed up beliefs about money. Uh, for example, this idea of ever saving money for something that you don't need. I had a I had a belief for a very long time that that's a very bad thing to pursue. That it that it's selfish, uh, and that it causes nothing but pain and suffering in the world for you to save up money for something that you selfishly want but don't not do not need. Do you want to know where that belief came from? I do. I can't believe I'm actually going to say this, and I'm actually streaming this live on Facebook. I was probably about 13, 14 years old, and I desperately wanted a Honda scooter, all right, one of those little mopeds. I desperately wanted it. And, you know, my mom and dad, you know, at the time they were struggling financially and my dad had left the family insurance agency just like I did. Uh, and he decided to try to do, do his own entrepreneurial thing and start a grocery store and stuff like that. And, and man, he worked hard and, and really made ends meet for our family. But there was definitely we they were not in a place where they could just say, hey, Cliff, for your birthday, we're going to buy you a scooter right? You're going you're gonna to get that moped. But my mom desperately wanted to make that dream a reality for me. And she says, listen, I've, I've got this big glass jar and it was a, you know, a big glass cookie jar, but like if you could put like 40 pounds of cookies in it, it was that big of a glass jar. You, you know what I'm, can you picture this? Totally. All right. So the thing is, is all the change that my mom and my dad had, they, they, she would make sure that th- she would put it in the cookie jar at the end of the day. And it had tons of quarters. And back then, believe it or not, half dollars and silver dollars were really big back then. So it had tons of half dollars and silver dollars inside of it as well. Uh, yes, I'm that old. So the thing is, is that this thing, I, if I had to guess, it was probably about halfway full. And I remember I was, I, I, we lived in a tiny little, what's called a split level or a bi-level home. And I was back in my bedroom and I remember hearing my mom and dad fighting and they happened to be having an argument about money and it got kind of loud and heated and stuff like that. And my mom and dad are never the type that would ever hurt each other. But man, they, this this argument got so heated and and the topic of the money in that jar was up for consideration and I just remember – and by the way, I this could be completely – blown out of proportion. I have no idea if I if if my bl- recollection of this is even accurate, but something in my mind it goes along with the idea that I had heard something like here, you want the money, take it. And the glass jar all I can I heard the noise, but all I can imagine is the glass jar was picked up by one of my parents and thrown against the wall and I heard it shatter and the change went everywhere. And John, from that moment forward, I did, I, in, in an instant, I developed a belief that my desire to save my, or, you know, my desire for something that I did not need would cause pain and suffering and strife in a relationship between husband and wife. And I felt that I will never do that. And it's like, and the thing is, is I, I wasn't consciously aware of that. But I can tell you right now, I'd always struggled with the selfishness of ever wanting anything more than I ever desired. And then, of course, I also come from a faith background. And where do you, you know, I can't begin to tell you the number of times I either wrote, read the Bible and, and, and created my own interpretation. And I, I've, I've, I've been conditioned to believe some things about money from people in the, in the ministry uh, background that I had. That, you know, you hear a story in the Bible of a man who, there's a story in the New Testament that says this man had uh, done his harvest and he he collected way more grain than he had anticipated. And he's like, man, wow, my harvest was so plentiful. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to build even bigger barns. And then I'm going to sit back, relax, and take it easy. And then you read the next line. It's like, ah, yeah, I'll show you. Uh, you know, th- this very evening, your life is going to be demanded from you. And it's like, man, you could so if you go through and you 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 have the beliefs that you already have from previous experiences, and then you put on top of that, well, God doesn't even want you to have anything more than you need. Whoa! Yeah, before you know it, that all of a sudden you leave your career in insurance and go pursue your own self-employed lifestyle, and you're sitting there trying to generate income, and you've got all these beliefs about money that came from all these childhood experiences, and you don't you're not even consciously aware, but man. 
I, John, I had the biggest time trying to send people invoices. You know, I, people would say, Cliff, send me the invoice for what you did. And I, I, I sometimes refused to send people invoices for work that I had done for them when they were absolutely satisfied. And I even have a story, uh, which you can find at mindsetanswerman.com slash free, where I literally had a guy beg me for five minutes to send him an invoice and I wouldn't do it. And I didn't, I couldn't understand why. Here I am in 2008, full-time self-employed. I have a stay-at-home, a stay-at-home mom as a wife. I have three young kids. I have left a very lucrative, very successful career as an insurance agent. I'm pursuing my own business, and I've got a client who just worked with me. And because we were scheduled for an hour, and I fixed his problem in less than five minutes. I refused to send, me, send him an invoice because I didn't believe that I had earned it. If you want to learn about that, you can find more about that at mindsetanswerman.com slash free. But where do the beliefs come from to answer your question, John? They come from all sorts of experiences that we've had in our past. And sometimes they can happen in an instant if, we're, if it's an emotional circumstance or they can happen over time if they're conditioned over and over again. Cliff, first and foremost, thanks for sharing that story, brother. I mean, that was a story that I really hope makes you, Fire Nation, kind of go back into your memory banks and think about some stories or some situations or some incidents that are really impacting your current beliefs right now. And Fire Nation, if you think we're even close to done dropping these value bombs, we're going to be talking after the break about identifying these limiting beliefs, eliminating these limiting beliefs, and then how to take action towards getting what you truly want out of life. As soon as we get back from thanking our sponsors. As a small business, making great hires is critical to your success. And when it comes to hiring, background checks are a must-have. Unlike big companies with big HR departments, small businesses may not have the resources to manage background checks or easily access screening tools. But now there is TransUnion Shareable for Hires, an online employment screening service built specifically to help small businesses quickly screen applicants with reliable data from a trusted source. With traditional screening services, you might wait days or even weeks to get results but with Shareable for Hires, you'll get immediate access to powerful employment screening tools that enable you to fast track your hiring process so that you can get back to business. Within minutes, you'll receive reports from TransUnion containing critical information about an applicant's credit history and criminal background. The reports you receive are compliant with state and federal consumer reporting laws. It's free to sign up, no hidden fees, and reports start as low as $35. Start your on-demand screening at shareable.com slash Fire and use code ONFIRE50 at checkout to save 50% on your first screening. TransUnion Shareable for Hires, helping small businesses make big decisions. I don't consider myself a techie person, but when it comes to idea generation, I'm on fire. So when asked, are you ready to build your first sales funnel? I immediately thought I'd have to hire a tech team to help. Then I found ClickFunnels, and with ClickFunnels, the sky is the limit. ClickFunnels is a software tool that helps you create sales funnels that convert your visitors into leads and then customers. ClickFunnels was created so entrepreneurs like me and you who aren't programmers and who don't know how to code can easily build great looking pages inside of a sales funnel to grow our business online. And the great thing about ClickFunnels is that it's not just your funnel building editor, it's also your shopping cart, your email autoresponder, your membership software, your affiliate management software, and so much more. Join over 90,000 entrepreneurs who are actively using ClickFunnels to easily get their products and their message out to the world. Visit eofire.com slash click to start your free 14-day trial today. That's eofire.com slash click. Cliff, we're back. And before the break, I gave a little teaser on what's coming up. We'll be going through identifying limiting beliefs and eliminating those limiting beliefs. Can you break that down for us? Sure. Well, let's talk about identifying them. And it's actually a little bit easier than you might imagine. Uh, it takes a little work and you have to be intentional about it. But let me just tell you, I think if you could spend at least on average 30 minutes a day evaluating what you believe, I think you would see a radical change in your life. Actually, no, that's not true. I'm absolutely convinced because I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, you will see radical change in your life if you were to invest a minimum of 30 minutes a day 
evaluating what you believe. And like I said, most of us, we're unconscious of 80% of the reasons why we do what we do or refuse to do the things we say we want to do or should do and blah, 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 blah. So uh, how do you – what was the first one? The first one was how do you uh, discover them? How do you become aware of them? So, John, here's here's what you do, and here's how I do it. The first thing I do is I start – dreaming. Or if I'm working with one of my mentoring clients or mastermind members, I'll say, hey, tell me, what do you want? If you could have anything you wanted, if you could achieve anything and and whatever you want to be a part of your life, let's just say five years from now, you wake up five years from today and you have everything in your life you could ever want. Create a list for me. What are the top 50 things that you want? In fact, I'm going to encourage everybody listening to do this within the next 24 hours. Go away, spend one hour, get a piece of paper and write 1 to 25 on the front of it, flip it over, write uh, 26 to 50 on the back side. And then I want you to ask this question, what do I want? And I want you to write down anything and everything that comes to your mind. Do not for a second ask yourself how possible it is. Don't think for a second how self-centered or selfish it is, how materialistic it is. I seriously, if it came to your mind, you write it down. You, it, it, it's so important that you do not put any filters on your the things that come to your mind and do not stop until you get to the 50th line. That you might think, I want to be debt free. I want to. I want to make a million dollars, you know, per year. I want to build a castle on the South Island of New Zealand. I want a private jet. I want to be able to build a hospital uh, for an entire village. Uh, I want to be able to. Uh, I want to be able to pay for my kids' colleges, college for all anything they want. I want to be able to pay for all of my grandkids to go to college. I want to be able to give the anything. Just keep – one. by the way, I wrote one of mine down and it was I want a Volkswagen Beetle. You know, It's like I want a classic Volkswagen Beetle and just anything and everything you could possibly think of that comes to your mind. What do I want? If I could have anything, no questions asked, what do I want? And then what I encourage you to do is I then encourage you to look over that list of 50, 50 items and then I want you to make a new list and pull from them and I want you to come up with the top 10 things that you want, all right? The top 10 dreams, if you will, all right? And then I want you to look at the top three and I want you to ask, this, this, ask yourself this question. What would I need to change in my life to make that a possibility? What would I need to start doing? What would I need to stop doing? Those are two very important questions. What would I need, what behavior would I need to start doing? What behavior would I need to stop doing? And then ask yourself, why haven't I stopped that already? Why haven't I started that already? And answer that question for both of them and every single answer you give will be a belief. Every single answer to why is this not already something you're doing, you will come up, you might call them excuses, you might call them reasons or whatever, but what you're going to be writing down are beliefs. And what you're going to find out is that a majority of those beliefs are not true. But anyway, so that, so John, if I was to ask you, you know, or if I was to ask somebody, let me ask you this. If you you said that one of the things you want to do is you want to get off your diabetes medication, right? You you've heard that it's possible that you can completely reverse type 2 diabetes. What actions would you need to start doing and what actions would you need to stop doing? Somebody says to me, "Okay, well Cliff, um I would need to start working out." All right? That's one thing in, that he thinks that he needs to do. And then I he what would you need to stop doing? I need to stop eating entire bags of chip and pints of ice cream. Uh, as, as midnight snacks, like consistently every week. And I'm like, okay, why are you not already working out? Why haven't you already started? And if you've started in the past and you're not doing it now, why, why did you stop? And what, what comes up are beliefs. And of course, again, why, why can you, why are you, why are you still doing this? Why do you continue to eat that food? Why do you continue to eat past 8 p.m.? Would you be willing to commit that you will never eat another calorie past 8 p.m.? 
Are you willing to commit to that? And the answer is, I don't know. Then tell me why. And everything that comes out of your mouth or to your mind at that point to that question, you are listing beliefs. And those beliefs generally are limiting beliefs. Many of them, almost most, if it, by the way, if you have a dream in your heart, I, I happen to be a faith-based person, John, so I hope, you, I hope your audience doesn't mind this. I'm one of those guys who believes that we were created by a creator and that he also planted seeds within us for work that we're supposed to do in this world. And I believe that we were created for a purpose and that the dreams inside of us aren't necessarily selfish. They're there to, to drive us to become the people that we were created to be and also to add value to other people's lives. And by the way, I used to think wanting a scooter and saving up for it was a selfish thing. Today, I've eliminated that belief because now I think, wow, if I want a scooter I'm probably going to have to work a little bit harder, maybe offer another valuable product or service for some more people so that I can earn the extra income to have that scooter. And by the way, I happen to have actually uh, graduated um, above wanting scooters, and instead I wanted a very nice, very spacious home that I happen to live in today. We call it the house that podcasting built. And the thing is, John, is I said, listen, to be able to do this, I need an extra $62,000 in cash after taxes beyond and above what I would normally generate anyway over the next nine months. How can I do that? And because I wanted the house and I set it as a goal, you know what happened? I ended up offering two more sessions of podcasting A to Z which was a four-week training course for $2,000. I don't even do that stuff this, these days anymore. But I, I offered that, and it was $2,000 a piece, and I allowed, get this, I allowed 30 students in each of those two sessions. Now, the interesting thing is, is yes, I generated my extra $60,000 and above and beyond, but the interesting thing is not only did I have the money for my dream, but there are 60 people today who have a podcast who would not have had a podcast had I not had the dream. And, and John, how, just think, the average podcaster, how many people do they influ influence and impact in a positive, positive way through the podcasts that they're creating? It's hundreds, and in some cases, it's thousands. And so there are at least 10 to 20,000 people's lives who are consistently getting ongoing, regular encouraging, amazing, entertaining content that blesses their lives because I wanted a house. So to answer your question, how do you become aware of them? Ask yourself, what is it that I want? What would I need to start doing? What would I need to stop doing? Why am I not already living this? Then you have a list of the beliefs that are keeping you from living the life of your dreams. Does that answer that question for you? Completely. And now that we've identified these limiting beliefs, we have this list. How do we go about eliminating these limiting beliefs? Yeah. So now you have a list of beliefs that you have and the, to eliminate them, you just need to first, first you have to become aware, right? Uh, and then you need to evaluate. And I encourage you to get around some peers, some people that, that will help you elevate your thinking in life. All right. And, and one, of, by the way, Jim Rohn was a personal development guru. And, and one of the things he's famously known for, and you've maybe heard this quote many times, and it is, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And one of my favorite like exact quotes from Tony Robbins that I ever heard, he talked, he says, you know, if you want to improve, if you want to improve the quality of your life, you need to upgrade your peer group. Upgrade your peer group. So what I encourage you to do is find some people who elevate the way that you think. Look for those positive, encouraging people who, uh, you know, that maybe one, at one point they just made you nauseated because they seemingly always are positive. They're always happy about something. You know, no matter how challenging their life circumstances are, they just seem to find something to be thankful for. Look for those people. And then go take them your list and say, hey, can we talk about these beliefs and sit down and say, listen, I, this is what I believe and, and stuff like that. And, and say, hey, do you also believe this? Or and you just start having conversations with people and you start evaluating, are these things true? Matter of fact, one of the things you want to ask, and, and of course, if you look at this belief and you've done everything exactly as I've told you to do it here, what you'll find is – Every belief that you have stated 
are beliefs that are currently limiting you from taking the actions necessary to achieve the dream in your heart. That's exactly that list that you have. And so the question you have to ask yourself is, are these beliefs true? Are they fact? And the question, and, and one way to evaluate that and to eliminate these is, is there any proof to the contrary? So for example, one of the things is like, man, you know, I guess I should set a goal. Well, why don't, why don't you set a goal? Well, because goals don't work. What do you mean goals don't work? Yeah. Well, and by the way, I used to have that one, John, believe it or not. Years ago, I used to, I, I used to have a belief that goals don't work. Ask me, John, where did that belief come from? Where'd it come from? I was in eighth grade and my teacher was talking about New Year's resolutions and she was expressing uh, that don't bother, New Year's resolutions don't work. By the way, have you ever heard the phrase, New Year's resolutions don't work? I have. How many times have you heard that? Every New Year. Every year, for pretty much every year you could ever remember New Year's resolutions. I mean, you, you go all the way back. Every year there is a plethora of people out there saying New Year's resolutions don't work. In fact, they say that 80% of those who, actually, I don't know the exact uh, percentage off the top of my head, but let's just pretend for just a moment it's 80%. 80% of those who make New Year's resolutions have completely given up on them by the second week in February. That's a study that, you know, they did lots of research on that. I, there is a, such a study and there is an actual number. I can't remember the number off the top, the right percentages off the top of my head. But let's just pretend that I got the numbers right. It's 80%, 20%, right? So, or actually, forget about the 20% because if your belief is that New Year's resolutions don't work, you're hearing the fact. The research shows, scientific study research shows 80% of those who set New Year's resolutions have given up on them completely by the second week of February. And if you, if you hear that fact and you have heard this so many times, now it's like, yep, okay, that confirms it. New Year's resolutions don't work. Now, guess what? What if you happen to believe that New Year's resolutions do work? Well, if you, have a, if you feel certain that resolutions don't work and you hear that fact, that research, then it confirms your belief, right? The same research, the same fact confirms the other belief, the empowering belief, if you will. So if I, the empowering belief is that New Year's resolutions do work. I'm absolutely convinced. I firmly believe the thought that it is true that New Year's resolutions do work and you must set them every single year. And here's why. Scientific research was done. And get this, 20% of people who had six who had spent an entire lifetime trying to change their behavior and change the results that they're getting in life finally one day created a new year's resolution and 20% who set the new year's resolutions succeed in doing it beyond the second week in february creating lasting change in their life see same fact same research confirmation of two different beliefs so what i encourage you to do is if you have a limiting belief Look for information, research, and proof in case studies that show you the opposite is true. So, for example, when I left my career in insurance, John, I did not leave my career in insurance so that I could become the world's leading authority in teaching people how to podcast, um, Or, which, by the way, I, 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 I gladly give that mantle over to you. Aww. But the thing is, is I, you know, I did not leave my career in insurance. I remember specifics. I, I remember it was, uh, gosh, it was February. No, it was November 2006. I said, I wonder what life would be like if I could do this for a living instead of selling insurance. And it wasn't teaching people how to podcast, the fill in the blank, the this. The this was, I wonder what it would be like if I could create entertaining, educational, encouraging, and inspirational content and get paid to do that for a living instead of selling insurance. But at the time, John, I did not believe that was possible. It's like, who's gonna pay me just to create content that's entertaining, encouraging, inspirational, motivational? Nobody's gonna do that. So you have to have some sort of marketing skill, marketable skill. And I had already been making a few thousand dollars a month teaching people how to podcast. So I figured at least I get to, if I leave my day job, I get to make my own schedule and I can do my content creation on the side and, and, and I'll make money from the podcast coaching and consulting. And that's how I got into becoming the podcast answer man. 
But man, I started to evaluate this belief. See, after 10 years of uh, podcast coaching and consulting, you know, I trained more than 40,000 people out of podcast. And, and I'm like, you know, what? I'm kind of bored of this. This has actually gotten as much, this has become as much of a distraction from me creating content that's entertaining, educational, encouraging, and inspirational as sending out proof of insurance cards to people at the courthouse all day long. I'm like, man, I was meant for something so much more than this. And I started to ask myself, why I, I had a dream. And, and, and gosh, my dream scares me, John. It still scares me today. Do you know what my current dream is? I don't. My biggest dream, John, I literally have a dream. I have a vision that I will be selling stadium events where tens of thousands of people come to hear me speak. Wow. That's my dream. Well, Cliff, I happen to know that you are, as we speak, in the process of fulfilling that dream. So why don't you share with us, with Fire Nation, exactly where you are in the process of fulfilling your big dream? Yeah, well, the step that I'm on right now is that I'm actually, well, the I started out with, I wonder if anybody would even pay to come see me at a live event. And I had a lot of struggle, a lot of beliefs that said, nope, can't do that. No, here's all the reasons why people wouldn't do that. And there's so many other people out there. And finally, I had I shared those beliefs with some of my peers who, you know, elevate me. And they said, Cliff, you could totally do that. And they convinced me that my beliefs were limiting and, and inaccurate. And as a result of that, I started to press through my fear and my unworthiness and all that other stuff. And I, and I started out with small little workshops in my home. I built a, a home that has a, a nice size studio with, it can, has a classroom with up to 14 people. And I, and the first time I did a workshop, I'm wondering, can I get 12? Actually, I wonder if I could get 12 people to come to this event paying a thousand dollars a piece. And I, I marketed it, it, which took me a ton. Oh, gosh, you wouldn't have to believe the number of pep talks I needed for my peer group at that time. But I did it and I had six people who paid a thousand dollars to come to one of my live workshops. It, but it, I didn't hit my goal of 12, but I got six. And then I'm like, okay, well, let me do it again. And a couple months later I did it. And guess what? I sold 12 spots. And then a couple months later I did it again. And I not only sold 12 spots, but a 13th person registered and says, Please, Cliff, will you let me? And I went and, and bought another classroom table, two more chairs, and I rearranged the classroom setting. And, and what I did is I did it over and over again. I proved to myself, okay, I can sell a live event where people will travel. And by the way, I had people come from New Zealand, from Sweden, uh, and all over the United States to my house for a live event. And I'm like, okay, it's time to move over. It's time to do the first ever Free the Dream conference where I'm going to help people experience this message of how to break free from limiting beliefs that are holding them back. And so I did my first event last year and I'm like, listen, I will not rest until I have 300 people at that event. I had no idea how to market an event like this. I had never marketed a conference like that. And dude, I had 87 people who came to free the dream conference last year. But the thing is, is it wasn't 300, but you know what? Those 87 people, I had an opportunity to connect at a deep level with every single one of them. And every one of them had massive transformation in their life. And, and I'm like, okay, let's do this again. And so here I am, Free the Dream 2019, coming up February 13th through the 15th. And I'm shooting for 300 again. And I'm doing everything I'm, I can based upon what I learned from my past experience. And John, I will keep doing Free the Dream until I hit 300. Then I'll get to 500. Then I'll get to 1,000. And, and before you know it, and I have no doubt in my mind, within 10 years, I'll have my first stadium event with at least 10,000 people in it. That's what I'm doing. Well, Fire Nation, you just heard what Cliff's big dream is. You heard what his audacious goals are. I hope you're setting big dreams, that you're setting big goals. And if you're inspired right now by what Cliff is talking about, with his, what his big dream is, what his big goals are, and you want to get involved, Cliff, how can Fire Nation get involved? Absolutely. Head over to freethedreamconference.com. I encourage you to spend a few moments on that page. Seriously, watch some videos. I know a lot of times you just scroll and you might just peruse the page. Watch a couple of the testimonials at the top of the page, at the bottom of the page. That's really where the heart of the thing is because, quite frankly, I'm not great at marketing yet at the, these events. My folks who have actually experienced the tri transformation, if you watch some of the testimonials, they do a much better job of marketing this thing as I, than I do. But let me just tell you, go there. If you don't immediately sign up for your conference ticket as soon as you're at freethedreamconference.com, then, then do me a favor, head over to mindsetanswerman.com slash free 
and look at the opening keynote address to Free the Dream 2018. If nothing else, it will give you something that you can do in one hour that will radically help you get massive different results in your life. Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and you've been hanging out with CR and JLD today, so keep up the heat. And as always, head over to eofire.com, type Cliff in the search bar, and his show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about today, best show notes in the biz, timestamps, links to everything, and of course, you'll be able to see the past episodes that Cliff and I have done together, one that goes way back to even before Entrepreneurs on Fire launched in the middle of 2012. Insane, insane, insane. Definitely want to listen to that one. And Fire Nation, if this clicked with you, if this resonated with you, check out freethedreamconference.com. It's taking place September 13th to September 15th. It's a great time of year to free the dream. So freethedreamconference.com to see what's going on there. Check out the sales page. Check out the video. See all the great testimonials. See if this could be a great conference for you to help free your dreams. And of course, you can head directly over to Mindset and answerman.com slash free to see Cliff's keynote from last year. And that can be an awesome opportunity to get a vibe for that. So that's mindsetanswerman.com. Cliff, end with a bang. What do you want to share with Fire Nation at the end of our chat today? Be intentional about what you believe because what you believe will lead to what you achieve. Cliff, thank you, brother, for sharing your truth, your value bombs with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Hey, Fire Nation. Today's value bomb content was brought to you by Cliff. And have you ever considered creating and then running your own masterminds? Well, if you haven't, you should. And by the way, I've also created a free course to help you do just that. It includes a two-hour epic training with Tony Robbins. Visit mastermindonfire.com. Check it out today and I'll catch you there or I'll catch you on the flip side. When it comes to hiring, background checks are a must and TransUnion Shareable for Hires enables immediate access to employment screening tools that deliver reports in minutes. Start your on-demand screening at shareable.com slash fire and use code onfire50 at checkout to save 50% on your first screening. Ready to build your first sales funnel without having to hire an entire tech team to help? With ClickFunnels, you can. Visit eofire.com slash click to start your free 14-day trial today. That's eofire.com slash click.